touched on your teenage days yeah, so yeah. when you were a little rat bag and that but I'd, i want to know you know about who your role models were and, and what that lady means to you right yeah now. that's a big one mate um that's my mum who i yeah, I've got a lot of stuff still with my mum that I've got to work on. And, you know, oh, far out. I know for sure she'll watch this, like, big time. You know, they're the reason I'm probably sitting here. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people, one of the 29 clan groups that make up the Eora Nation. We acknowledge the traditional owners who are connected to this land and acknowledge their unbroken connection and sovereignty to all the lands that now make up Australia. We extend that acknowledgement to all of the traditional owners connected to the country you may be listening to this podcast from. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Before we get into today's episode, we do want to warn listeners there is some content that could be triggering for some people. If there's anything that's brought up today that affects you, know there is someone out there to listen. Make sure you call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hello and welcome to When We Grow Up, the podcast where we ask where we've been to know where we're going. We're your hosts. I'm Marley Silva. And I'm Nico Hines. <laughs> and today we are joined by the founder and CEO of Find Your Feet, Tommy Herschel. Hello. Welcome to the show. You look very comfortable on this lounge that Mate, we're I'm in today. I love this cushion. You know, there's sometimes it's just things like I can just, this is, it's lovely to touch. CEO. I've never been called it. I'm a CEO. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How do you feel yeah. about that title? Yeah. I don't know. I'm always wary of acronyms, but yeah, it's yeah. a good one. <laughs> How yeah. do you feel about um, her introduction then? About her I voice? liked it. You it liked it? Good. Yeah, it was good. You reckon? Yeah. Do you reckon her voice sounds really monotone? Like I always feed her about that. And yeah, he's quite critical. No, I liked it. It's good. Yeah. Great. No, mate. It's Yeah, I was into it. Yeah, well, <laughs> sucked in for starters, Nico. Oh, I'm so excited to boring. have this chat. Tommy, can I just say, because Nico admittedly has talked a lot about you and, and what you're doing, and we're going to dive into what Find Your Feet is all about. But I wanted to start with, I guess, a little bit of the inspiration by making this conversation happen, even a little bit earlier than what Nico and I had discussed. We'd always wanted to have you on the show. We're doing it, I guess, yeah, sooner than uh, we thought, because he was talking to myself, his roommate, and his roommate's girlfriend at dinner just the other night. And he's like, you have to watch these videos on the Find mm. Your Feet Instagram. And they pretty powerful, lots of stories of, of young men who are in the program that you uh, run being really vulnerable and so open and really, it's so beautiful, even in some of the very deep and tough conversations that they're having. And it had me and, and Zara, Nico's roommate, Jared's girlfriend. We man. Yeah, we men, as we've spoken about on the show quite a bit. Oh, it had us in tears because yeah. it is so moving. And I guess to start, you know, in in a nutshell, what what is Find Your Feet? Gosh, it's a it's yeah, it's I'm wary of the time, and I always say that when I do an interview. But it's, Find Your Feet is is an opportunity to do something that blokes I reckon haven't done for a really long time, and a lot of women as well, which is take that moment to stop and and find our feet, literally to put our feet flat on the ground and go, right, like what am I doing in this moment? What choice am I making? Am I making the right one? Everything with Find Your Feet has a story and the name obviously has a story, but it's in honour of 
a young champion. I get emotional straight away on it and I tell the story all the time, but a young legend called Bastian Mardrill. Tiwi Island boy, um, I met him when I was when he was 15 and a half. I was 32-year-old, like functioning alcoholic lunatic, egomaniac, working in radio. He was 15 and a half, playing footy at Camden Rams in southwest Sydney and and got a hit in his leg one day, went to the doctor the next day and they said, look, it's just a cork. That went on for six weeks until eventually his mum said, we're not leaving until you tell us what's going on. They did some scans and the following Tuesday they got the results that he had a Ewing sarcoma, a really aggressive form of cancer. They said, you've got about six months to live in a really blunt way. In that six months when I was hanging out with him, I just saw this young fella that was every bit the man that I wasn't. I had two beautiful kids. Oh, I always get emotional. I tell it all the time. But an amazing wife and, and I was just, it was, I was a victim. It was all about me. And he was this young man who had been given a, a timeline and, you know, his time was up in six months and he was selfless, he was generous, he was genuine, he was authentic, he was just real. And um, the day that he died, his mum rang me and, and said, Bass has just passed away. She said, Tommy, this afternoon he got Joe and I, um, his mum and dad, he got us out in the backyard and and he said, Mum, I just want to touch the earth with my feet one more time and um, right. walked him out <coughs> in the backyard and... And she said he put his feet flat on the ground, looked off into the sunlight as it was setting and um, had his arm around, you know, his, his, his beautiful old man, Joey, is a, a little fella and, um, and he looked at, at his mum and he said, Mum, tell my mates to love life and don't waste it. And um, when she told me that story, I remember looking off, I was next to a record player in my house, there's records everywhere. I was probably on my eighth beer for the day. My wife was in the kitchen doing everything. <laughs> And my two kids were running around the house and I was just, and I just went like, shit, I'm wasting my life. What am I doing? And I'm wasting their life. And it wasn't until three years later that Find Your Feet was born and I fully collapsed and had a breakdown and and put my family through a lot. But that was that moment where I walked into into a place here in Sydney and I found my feet, like I stopped and I took a moment and went, what am I doing with my life? Have to turn this around. So that's Find Your Feet. Um... And yeah, it's in Bass's legacy in his honour, and yeah, <laughs> far out. Molly's already crying. Oh, <laughs> you look like you're gonna cry too, Nico. That's yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's you know, like Nico's spoken to me about purpose and why we do things, and it just drives me. It's my outboard, you know. Mm. I've just got to be really careful that it doesn't drive me twenty four seven because mm. yeah, it's, you meet so many legends and so many champions, but yeah, that's fine. Your feet. Wow. What the a, reason yeah. we sort of, I spoke to you, Marley, the other night at home and Zara and Wee Man about these stories because Tommy and I caught up at Next Door Cafe in Cronulla for breakfast and Tommy and I have been in this sort of, I've been involved in Find Your Feet for a couple of years now. With COVID, we haven't been able to do as much as we would like, a bit of an ambassador role and I do send videos in and, and talk about my purpose, my why, my journey to help these kids who are on board with Find Your Feet and you know, I had a real sort of, moment where I was like, wow, this guy is an absolute legend at breakfast and, you know, he sort of brought me a hat and welcomed me on officially as a as an ambassador to this amazing work he does and, um, you know, there's so many great ambassadors and he'd done a video up for me, which is unbelievable, you know, and there was a time where when I was going through a rough patch, you know, being the year with, with what's going on with my mum and I even, I think I told you, Tommy, I was struggling, eh, and then you made that video up with me with all the kids at PBC, you know, telling telling me to stay strong and and why they love me and and uh, they're inspired by me and that was the first time someone's ever really done that for me and I watched that video and I got really really emotional like wow like 
who I am is changing lives of these kids. And from that very moment, those kids were changing my life at that point. And yeah, I can't thank you enough for that. So, and the reason you're on this podcast is because I went home to Marley straight away and I was like, man, we need to get him on. Like, this is, we need this, find your feet needs to be out there for everyone to, to know about and listen to. And, you know, I'm really grateful that you shared that story for us and Tommy, because you're an amazing human and I, I can't wait to yeah, continue this podcast sure, right now because you've got so many stories to tell and I think maybe we start with our wins and challenges as well after after that and I'll kick us off with a with a win and challenge while, while Marley gets her emotions in <laughs> check because she looks like she's about, about to uh, yeah. cry a river there but a win for me would be I was very grateful and lucky enough to sign a extension with the Cronulla Sharks which I'm extremely grateful for and something I never thought it would ever happen so done that and a challenge was I went to the Queen Elizabeth race day on the weekend and because we play uh, in six days time or well, from that day you're not really supposed to have a drink so I went there had about one or two beers and that was a big challenge because at a race day everyone is absolutely blind yeah. <laughs> so blind having the best time and I was like oh what am I doing here? But in saying that, I walked away with an extra 500 bucks in my pocket, so I'll take that. <laughs> Marley? You had a great Uber driver to drive you home. Yeah, too. Marley picked me up and yeah. she was boring as batshit, had no good music and sent me wow. home. I just went home and pretty much laid on a lounge and wanted to go to sleep because how boring that car was. <laughs> anyway, but See, I, your I, voice I, wasn't monotone. Yeah. yeah. Up and down. <laughs> good. I want to. This is what he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say as a bit of context, Tommy, with all of our guests, we like to do this wins and challenge to kind yeah. of ground us in the moment, as you would know. But, yeah, far out. What a way to start with that as a as some context around why you're here mm. and, and how you've gotten to this point. But for me, a challenge I had in the last couple of days was – yeah, it kind of sounds like a boring thing, but a work thing for me. I ended up getting a, a really a, – negative and a little bit disappointing response to a, something that I'd hoped for um, to have changed in, in my work and it really rattled me and set me back a bit because I had some expectations about where some stuff was going with the other work that I do and basically got a bit of a, a bit of a no, a pretty firm no on some mm. stuff and so I was feeling pretty sorry for myself heading into the long weekend but it took a moment and it's all good. And my win is that I had a really nice, slow-paced long weekend, feeling very fresh and on top of things and shifted my perspective and know that everything happens for a reason. So I think also today in this conversation is going to be a big win for the week. Yeah, I can tell already. Awesome. What about you, Tommy? Gosh, I feel like I go in sometimes too too much. But um, oh, it's, a, it's, it's such an interesting question. <laughs> but my challenge, I go first. My challenge is... I, I unfortunately have a really bad relationship with my old man. It's something I'd love to be able to fix, but both of us have probably been super stubborn at the moment. I haven't spoken for about 12 months and that's just stuff that stems from growing up. And and um, the challenge was it was his birthday on, on Sunday. I didn't ring him. I probably should have rung him. He didn't ring me for my birthday and it was just this really stupid toing and froing that we're doing. And and the challenge was, I guess, to, to get through the day and sort of try to grow with this thing and evolve and, and think a lot about it. And and I guess the win is bigger than the challenge because the, the challenge is, is a bit selfish. It's about me and him and it's silly stuff really. But the win was that I didn't drag my wife and kids through it, which mm. I normally do. Mm. My mouth screws up when I start to get emotional, but that's what I normally would do when I've got stuff. I would drag them through a lot of stuff. I'd drink heavily, I'd get angry and I'd take my anger out on them when really like – I had a win by doing the tools and the skills, you know, that find your feet tries to promote, which is 
you know, get up, I got up early, I had a long run, drank a lot of water. I did have a beer with a mate, but it was a light beer, set my boundaries. And, um, yeah, that was the win. So who knows, maybe next time we talk, say so next time the win is you pulled your head in and, and reached <laughs> out to your old man and had a yarn. I don't know the backstory of that. <laughs> but I don't want to say yours is petty, but I feel like sometimes we do the petty stuff with our family the most. Like I know oh. for a fact, if my sometimes I'll go, if dad didn't do something, like didn't call me on my birthday, for example, I'd go, oh, fuck him, I'm not calling him back. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. I feel like it's with our family members, we, we do the most petty stuff, but really we shouldn't because they're the ones we love the most and who mean the most and mm-hmm. make us like the emotional and uh, make us frustrated with life. So sometimes, you know, you just got to, bite the bullet and just do it, eh? Well, yeah, thank you again for for being so open and vulnerable even to start this. But now we'll shift and do what is a big part of this show as we Mm. described to you in in going back and reflecting on on who you were at a particular time. So we're all about looking back to go forward. And I'm now going to get the guys to put up the first photo that uh, you shared with us. So what we can see is a young Tommy. He's got bleach blonde hair and he's uh, a pretty cool uh, T-shirt that's got yeah, a skull on billies. it, bad so billies. And he's pulling a face and he's got dirty hands and everything, a tongue out. Tommy, can you tell us how old are you here? I reckon I'm a little, my little fella Alfie's age. He's 10. So I reckon I'm nine. And that's why, mate, sticks over his left shoulder. I'm sure it sticks. Sticks O'Connor is one of the great Chugan boys. <laughs> but, yeah, nine, nine, ten years of age, living in Chugan on the Goldie. Yeah. Bad Billies was, I think, a brand of Billabong, but there was a bloke at um, at Greenmount and I did the Bad Billies Surf School. Nice. Billy Rack, um, ironically, Billy Rack took his own life at Greenmount. Crazy to wow. think. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's Bad Billies Surf School. So you grew up in the Goldie? Yeah, grew up in Churgan. And? Cultural what? capital of the world. Yeah, mate. yeah. Churgan, yeah, <laughs> we've got a museum, library, a whole lot there. <laughs> you know, what? Guggenheim. Um, so tell us about <laughs> Not really. your family and, and growing up there and um, what kind of kid were you? From zero to ten, I was I was your normal kid, like running around Wagon Street with my mate Dingo, throwing rocks at cats and on roofs and <laughs> slingshots, building <laughs> slingshots, surfing, hanging out down the beach. Always, you know, an interesting side that I remember was always anxious, but back then it wasn't called anxiety. It was homesickness or panic you know, or harden up were probably the words. So I was a kid who couldn't sleep at anyone's house. You know, I always had like mates, dads going, I'll pay you 10 bucks if you can stay, you sook. And I'll be like 10 o'clock making up (laughs) an excuse to go home. Like I'm out of here. I see that too. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was awful. But then, yeah, I mean, everything sort of changed for me. When I was 10, I came home from school and um, there's a note on the table. I think my mum and dad were separating. I didn't know it, but we got in the car. Drove to Brizzy and, and I remember mum turning around and, and saying, I don't love your dad anymore. And that was sort of like for me when that little fella probably changed a little bit. And um, I remember we were going past uh, Cab Steakhouse at Labrador on the Gold Coast and and she's turned around and said that with tears coming down her face, you know, like a brutal time for her. And, and I remember trying to, I just opened the door and put my leg out the door and my sister, elder sister, put her arm around me and ripped me back inside. Mm. And I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I just remember going like, What's going on? Where's the old man? Why are we in the car going to Brisbane? I don't understand. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that's sort of – yeah, that, you know, that was – I just grew up around Chugan and that's sort of when all of that really sort of changed. And I went from being a, like a 10-year-old kid that was was happy, I guess, well, really happy, I loved it, mm. but then turned into a, a kid that was just an ultra smart-ass, loud, 
trying to fit in, trying to doing all those things at school and then going home and, and sort of not feeling comfortable at all, mm. crying myself to sleep, wondering where the old man was, um, wondering what was going on. So, yeah. I can't see you being that smart ass. Oh, man, I was kid. loose, Nick. I was, um, yeah, I was, it, I was, I used to, and it's interesting, we use it a lot in the workshops. Like you can see that dude when you walk into a workshop, you can see that little fella who's struggling and he might be six foot eight and, you know, one of the one of the leading front roles in the footy team, but he's still that, he's got what we call like a wounded boy in him, you know, like, and I've got a wounded boy in me and if I don't look after that wounded boy, which is that little fella up there, you know, I turn back into that little fella up there that is that smart ass, you know, behaving like a child mm. sort of thing. But, yeah, I was just doing it to get that attention, to fit in. Because, yeah, I guess at home I was just going like, where's the family unit gone? Where, what's happening? And 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 for me that that sort of behaviour got really easy and I, and I started to play the victim really well, which, you know, is something I really admire, mate, of yourself and... And a lot of our other ambassadors like Kai Hurst, you know, guys that have, have had life like throw the biggest battles at them and they've and, and we use a, a term at Find Your Feet, they've turned right and 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 they've faced it. And I did the easy thing and went left and 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 just played it. It was all about me and played the victim and, and the drinking and that sort of behaviour. You know, when, you, when you're drinking, you're allowed to do that sort of stuff. You're allowed to be an ultra smart ass, be a dickhead, all that stupid shit, and then wake up the next day and your mates go, and I go, oh, shit, sorry, boys, for being a lunatic. And they go, doesn't matter, mate, you were drunk. You know, like it's an excuse. Yeah. That was that was the sort of those early, early days, early doors, I guess. With you being able to be so self-reflective on that and – be able to point out those things and talk about your your inner self. What work have you done to be able to? Because oh. like when you're living that, right? I, I think all of us hindsight is twenty twenty, and you can kind of see certain things. But to really be able to kind of address some of the work that you still have to do when yeah. you're an adult, that's really tough. How yeah. did you get to that point? Well, you got. I mean, if you can't own your stuff, like if I can't walk in and go, hey, all of that shit there is mine, like I don't care for it, you know, like I can just walk past it. And when I walk past my kids and my wife and they're still putting up with, you know, like this broken man, like I go, how can I walk past that every day? How can I not own it and, and fix it? And my wife, she's amazing. The first thing she'll say is, you know, you've done a lot of healing on your own but we haven't done a lot like together mm-hmm. and it's such a fair call but I, I guess it's, it's I got to have the, if I don't do it, I'm this destructive, out of control victim who isn't the man that I want to be. Like I want to be the guy who gets up and you know I say to young fellas, I used to get home at three o'clock in the morning after drinking thirty schooners, and I could do that, even though you know I'm built like a, a outdoor garden furniture. But um, <laughs> that, that I could get home at three in the morning wow. and after drinking thirty beers, now I get up at three in the morning and I run thirty k's. Like that's the guy that I want to be and I still have a beer mm. but I have two or three now and then, I, you know, we use terms that find your feet like we set the boundary ropes and, you know, I, I don't want the cracks to appear like they used to and, mm. you know, I know my limits, I know when to declare. So, yeah, it's, it, if I don't own my stuff and I don't see my counsellor, it's interesting. Like I've seen counsellors, I've got my one counsellor I see now, Elizabeth, she's amazing. And last year I'd just go and see her when I could feel the bearings starting to make noise. And it, it was it was sort of working, you know, and when I mean the bearings making noise, like in my truck, you know, like I can hear. So I go to a mechanic, but 
if you really want to look after your car, like you maintain it all the time and you, you get your bearings changed over, you get your oil. And it's the same with me. Like I went this year, you know what, like I'm just going to lock Elizabeth in every fortnight, um, see an osteo every fortnight because it's going to help me own my shit even mm. better and be an even better person for my wife and kids. I still stuff up. I still fall over. But that's because I'm not perfect and I'm never, ever going to be perfect. I'm never going to be an expert at this stuff. But I'm always going to talk about it as much as I can so we can normalise it for other blokes to do the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive, eh? <laughs> And just, yeah, I think it's so hard for any human being to own their shit like you're describing. Like it's so hard. Yeah, it is. It's funny though, hey, like I just get so proud of blokes when they do it. Like one of the great things we do with Find Your Feet is I go, boys, find your feet if you've ever bullied anyone and they'll stand up, they'll take a seat. Find your feet if you've ever been bullied. Those bully, blokes have been bullied, stand up, they take a seat. And I'll say, well, find your feet if you've bullied someone in this room. Mm. And they'll be like this. There'll be always one dude who'll just jump straight up and everyone will look at him like he's about to get in trouble. And I'll go, mate. You're a bloody legend. Mm. And I'll go, how can he be a legend? He bullies people. Mm. I go, he's a legend because today is like the first day that he's taken that step to own his shit. Mm. He stood up today and said, you know, like, like, and I've got a great example of that with Find Your Feet. We've got this this image we use of this guy, Jack, who's looking down this valley at the start of every year in, in Crum Valley. We do this run where I used to tell him it was 5Ks, it was actually 22Ks. And I wouldn't tell him it was 22Ks, the Kugel's running. And one, the first year we had it, we had seven young blokes. Like these blokes, the young blokes had never been up before nine o'clock. You know, they used to <laughs> punching billies before school, getting to school, punching each other, like lunatics. And um, like one dude was literally like, mate, I'm, my days are MDMA, ice, like the whole lot. Wow. Like he's like, that's how I operate. Um, he got to the top of this hill with Hursty next to him, Kai Hurst, who's two-time Olympian. He looks at Hursty and he goes, I thought you were an Olympian, you know. <laughs> He goes, oh, I'd take, I'd take pills every day and i still beat you to the top. But anyway, this kid, this legend gets to the top of the hill and he goes, mate, how far have we run? And I said, mate, you've done 18 and a half Ks. And he goes, no, I'm not capable of that. And I said, mate, look at my fancy watch. And I had the fancy Garmin. And he, and he turned and looks back down the valley. He's got, and, and, and I took this photo of him. He turns back and he's got tears coming down his face. And I was like, what, what's wrong, mate? And he goes, I just didn't know I was capable of this. He goes, I knew I was capable of being a dickhead, capable of, punching billies, capable of being really rude to my mum and disrespectful to women I've had relationships with because I just never knew that I was capable of getting up and running this far and doing this. And he's the same dude who stood up in a workshop in front of 150 blokes and this guy stood up, first of all, stood forward in line and said, boys, I get bullied every day. Um, my mum cries herself to sleep. He goes, and I've thought about taking my own life in the last week. And there was dead silence fell across the room and... And this other legend, the legend who'd run the 18.5K stood forward and goes, Tommy, do you mind if I say something? I was like, mate, go for it. And he turned to this guy and he goes, mate, um, he goes, I'm so responsible for what's going on with you. He goes, if I'm not bullying you, I'm encouraging others to bully you. If I'm not encouraging others to bully you, I'm watching while people bullying you and I'm laughing at you. And he goes, I do it because it makes me feel better about my shit at home. He goes, it's the worst excuse. He goes, I'm just so sorry. Like that kid on that day, he's now a yoga teacher. He doesn't drink. He runs daily. He wants to be a school teacher. Like that was the day that he stood up, found his feet, owned his shit. And not only did he turn his life around, but every other bloke in that room saw that that's what we're capable of. So the kid who got bullied and thought thinks about taking his own life, he gets heard. His story gets heard. So they're empathetic towards him. He feels that. 
Um, the mum at home who used to cry herself to sleep, her son comes home happy. His life changed, so her life changes. This boy owns his stuff. He doesn't no longer gets up, punches billies and punches his mum. He becomes this healthy young man who's now running yoga classes who helps other young men, you know. So there's like this reverberation and this simply by one dude owning his shit, you know. That is unbelievable and what strength from that young man to take responsibility like that. But it's a testament to the environment you must be building with Find Your Feet. I know you're clearly a very humble man and I don't expect you to kind of be like, yep, it's all me. But I, I would love for you to talk a bit more so – I don't even know if we've done a good job of sort of explaining that Find Your Feet has school programs. Mm. I know there's a few other components that we'll get into, but at the moment, could you tell us, yeah, you're, you're in a certain number of schools and, and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And like, how are you building these environments? I, I used to work in the nonprofit sector with kids in high school. And after, you know, a couple of years of working with some kids, we get some of them to open up. Not yeah. like that though. And, and that is just unbelievable. Yeah, I think it's – um. I don't know, like I'm really lucky again with my wife that, she, you know, I, when I was a young fella, I, I did a lot of chasing of women, I guess, <laughs> and I had a great time. <laughs> but I always remember like the, the girls I remember are the ones that like held me accountable for being a dickhead. Mm. And I'm still great mates, you know, with 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 a couple of them that I really have a lot of respect for. And their kids have been through the program, which is amazing. But I guess that ability to have to constantly do the work is because my, my wife just she deserves that and she sets that challenge mm. but I guess I do the same when I go into a workshop it's just it's about me being as honest as I can because that vulnerability is what builds that trust in the room so find your feet just quickly on that yeah we, we have four workshops um Four workshops, one's called Challenge the Title or Own Your Story. Then there it's Who I Am. Then there's the next one called In Someone Else's Shoes. And then another one called Then, Now, um, Soon, which is just looking back, looking where we're at, looking where we're going. Um, then we got 20 activities and a whole school program that we gift to a school. We've got a young fella in, in a school um, up on the Gold Coast at a boarding school, private school up there that we, that we sponsor to pay for a young fella called Harper doing a Black Pepper <coughs> 2 scholarship in honour of Bastion. So the minute I walk into a room, you know, I'm a school teacher by trade, so I was a chalky for 15 years and, and loved being a chalky. I used to get into the room and I'd write a lesson plan 15 minutes after the lesson started. <laughs> like, I just reckon if you go into a room full of kids with a lesson plan, you're restricting them and you're restricting yourself. Like you got to go into a room... It's like, you know, you, you got to go into a room and, and let like that, let that garden, I guess, sort of blossom in front mm-hmm. of you and grow in front of you. But it's about walking. You know, the minute I walk in, I, you know, I use all of my sort of physical features as a bloody, as a take the piss. I go, hey, boys, like, you know, mate, look at your, have you not got a mirror in your house? You know, like, have a look at your head, mate. And, they'll, and, and, and I'm setting them up and straight away someone within a minute will go, mate, look at your shit moustache. How old are you? And I go, mate, don't take the piss out of the moustache. And, and so you, you're building this rapport like I'll tell them I'm a teacher already but, you know, they'll be they'll be going, oh, this guy's normal, mm-hmm. you know, like he's like one of us. He says the odd swear word and I'll just say to him like, boys, has anyone got any idea that's going on here today? Look, I've got none. I've got no idea. Teachers try to tell me but who's, you know, and you're taking the piss a bit. And But it's about setting it up in like – I guess, you know, I grew up in an environment where, you know, you look someone in the eye, there was that respect, hat off at the table, all those sorts of things, which I really admire, shoes off at the door and, and just simple rules and values and, and, and those sort of things. And 
And we build that in the workshop. So the minute you walk into a room, you're looking obviously for who's in the room and how it's going to work. If you've got a young fella who doesn't want to be in there, you're doing your best to comfort him in a way of like protecting him from the from the lunatics over here, but you're also trying to build them up so they're, you know, being their loudest and their most boisterous because you want that culture to be shown. And But it's about giving them rules of, right, boys, like if you're not capable of doing this today, don't derail it for the other blokes like in the room. Like if you're not up for it, you're not going to go because I'm not going to let you leave because we've been doing that for way too long as blokes. Like when things get tough, we walk away. I'm not going to let you leave. Like we've got to sit in this today. And I give them that story of Jack. I go like, you, you guys don't look the guy who ran around, you know, the 18 and a half kilometres. You know, he never knew that he was capable of that and you guys don't either. Mm. But at the moment, like, and I'll, I'll drop the odd David Goggins. I'll say, you know, like Goggins says we live at 40%, you know, and, and a lot of us are. Like mm. when we're not living at what we're capable of. And I'll draw a box on the bottom of the board and, and I'll give them an opportunity to like, behave like that and act like that and then the minute one of the legends like owns something and says something like yeah you know we are we are a pack of dickheads and even if they're saying it boisterous and laughing I go mate you're a legend you've just like lifted the stand in the room they're like how mm. yeah because you're being honest like we, we blokes we can be dickheads and they and they start the penny starts to drop and the real blokes in the room who want to talk they go shit this is i can relate to this this mm. is sort of the talk i hear at the you know, down the street or when I'm with my old man at the pub or this is real, this is Aussie sort of stuff. And, yeah, I mean, I am I give them a little part of my story and, and, and the Bastion story and and they go, wow, like I just feel comfortable in this moment, I guess. Yeah. It's hard to explain the magic. It's a little bit like if you go away on a holiday and you come back and everyone in the office is like, whatever, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you had a good weekend, mate. Cool. Yeah, to hear you describe that, I think I can – sort of pick up that that's such a unique setting. There's not very often as kids are we given permission to be that that self that is flawed or, you know, represents, you know, some of the bad things that we do, yeah. bad in quotation marks. As adolescents, I think we're so constantly told like you, you're either a good kid or a bad kid and that in that space makes it almost an equal playing field from what I'm hearing you describe. Yeah. So it's about like I'll walk in, I'll go, boys, like if, if – Let's build a conversation. Let's have a bit of fun. Like if a conversation in the school, what would the convo be? And I'd be like, oh, on the weekend we went to a party. There was drinking. You know, a few of the boys picked up some chicks and there was this, that and the rest. And I'll go, boys, you're not giving me as much as you could. Let's kick the teachers out. And I'll kick them out of the room and they're like, yeah, get out. And they're yelling stuff at the teachers. <laughs> they get out. It's epic. And then, and then it fully opens up. Oh, you know, the conversations be around porn and the conversations mm-hmm. will be around fighting and drinking and drugs. And I go, yeah. And then I might mention, you know, like anxiety and depression. It goes dead quiet. And I go, nah, man, only pussies do that. I go, oh, okay, really? Oh, right. So I'm not allowed to do that. Nah, man, you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that shit. And then there's a conversation about, well, why can't we? Mm-hmm. And then it's a conversation about, well, let's, you know, like, let's break it and see if we can and see if we're capable of doing that. And I say to them straight up, I go, like, I'll give you, I say, you guys live by two rules, hey? Like, give me two rules you live by. I reckon one would be take a risk. Is that when they go, yeah, yeah, you got to take risks in front of your mates and do stupid shit and, and you know, all right, well, it's another one. Don't, you reckon bros before hoes, don't dog the boys? Yeah, yeah, that's another one. I go, all right, well, you know, let's, let's turn the culture of those around. Let's shift them around. So take a risk. Any legend today who stands up, tells their story, owns a bit of their shit, they're taking a risk and that's a solid thing to do. Mm. And um, and anyone who like 
stands up today and says to a mate, oi, mate, I'm sorry for doing this, or says, hey, Robbo, like, I reckon you're drinking too much piss at the moment. I reckon you're making some bad calls. That fella isn't dogging his mate anymore. He's actually supporting his mate, and that's what a good mate's going to do. And they're like, oh, and I'll go, you know, I'll give you an example, you know. So if you were to ask me when I was a young fella, how are you? I'd say, yeah, good, went to the footy club on the weekend. Buddy, someone dared someone to steal a cart of piss. It was me. I got it. We all got drunk, went into Chugs, played up. It was awesome. You know, got home late, mum blew up, told her to get fucked, took off, you know. All right. What if I was to have a genuine mate to say to me at school on Monday, hey, how are you actually going? Because they saw that I was a bit tired, you know, a bit beaten. Because that's what a real mate's going to do. And I'd say, well, you know what? On Friday, my old man was meant to come down from North Queensland again. And, and these are true stories, you know. And he, and he didn't. First opportunity, I took off out the door. I was angry. Went to the footy club. Someone dared someone to steal a cup and piss. I wanted to, you know, feel good straight away. I wanted to get drunk. I wanted to also fit in with the boys and be accepted. So I was a stupid one and did it. Made heaps of crap decisions. Went home, you know, said some things to mum that I regret. Took off and, you know, because I didn't know how to tell her how I was feeling about my dad because I don't know how to do it. And, yeah, today I feel shitty, but, mate, like, thanks for listening. Like, And I go, what's the difference between the first and the second one? And they go, well, the first one, you're just wearing a mask, you know, like, and the second one, you know, you're being genuine. You get to get around them. And I use Nico as an example in there, you know. I say, like, what if when Nico went from Melbourne to, to Cronulla, what if they didn't, you know, say he has a, had a bad knee, for an example. What if Melbourne didn't tell Cronulla? He gets to Cronulla. They take him straight up to Wanda Sandhills, does 20Ks of Sandhills, blows his knee out, doesn't play all year. Mm. But what if Melbourne, and, and I'm sure they are, well, they are, you know, from what I've heard of the culture, they, they go, hey, look, he's on his way up, but he's got a dicky knee. We've done heaps of scans. Here's all the files. Give them to your rehab team. Give them to your group. They're able to get him off the plane, take him straight into, you know, their rehab facilities. They're able to look after his knee. Yeah, he misses a few weeks, but comes out and wins Dally M, you know, okay. like it's the same with us blokes. Like if mm. we got the ability to come to school and go, shit, boys, like actually got a bit on, our good mates are going to get in and go, well, mate, let's not go out drinking anymore. Mm. Like, let's start running. Or, boys, let's set the boundary all together. And this weekend let's not have a beer. Like let's see if instead of having a beer, you know, we'd go a long run or mm. we surf for a few more extra hours. Like let's – and that's what good mates are going to do. Mm. Yeah. When you go to the schools, do you tell the teachers – what you what you're gonna be talking about, or do you surprise the kids? Because uh, that sounds like when they rock up, they're just like, "Oh shit, this is what we're talking about." It's like yeah, a big, like slap in the face, like "fuck, I gotta, I gotta be a man today." Yeah, like do you fill them in, or do they you just nah, surprise them? Never. Um, I mean, I'll go. Probably better to surprise say, them, eh? Yeah, surprise them because it's it's almost like that whole thing of if I said we're gonna run twenty five k's, twenty five of them run the other way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I tell them that they're capable of doing that. And I say the ones who aren't, like you don't get to leave, you've got to sit in it. If you're those one of those ones sitting in it, like you're going to be seen as sitting in it and doing mm. nothing. Yeah. So you, everyone wants to get involved. Everyone yeah. wants to be. So it's almost like, you know, I asked who in the room, has there been an issue in the room? Has there someone experienced suicide lately? Has there been drug use, sexual assault? And you get a background there. Are there any young people in the room who transition, any young men who, you know, who haven't come out, but clearly they're on the, you know, they're about. Yeah. So you, you get a read of the room, but you get that pretty easily as well once you walk in. And then for me, it's just about, it's almost about as going as hard as you possibly can while being as safe as you can yeah. and championing those legends as much as you can, you know. So like only last week on uh, up north we had 
I had it, it was amazing. Grade seven, had 14 young boys stand up and say that they'd thought about taking their own life in the last mm. six months. And and when I said stay standing, if if you thought about that in the last eight uh, seven days, and eight of them stayed standing, Jesus. and the oxygen just went out of the room, you know, like if we didn't go, if I didn't go there, like those eight legends go home, and they've still got it. So it's once I went there, it's it's then about championing them and getting them as much support as possible. And it's like, you know, the words then are like, mate, oh boys, like what gives you the ability to stand up today? Like, why are you standing? Like, And they'll say epic words that, again, lifts that culture and shifts the culture. And it is good bloke culture because there's mm. shit bloke culture. It's good bloke culture, which is I trust these boys. Mm. I've seen other blokes talk today. Like, I know that I can share this amongst them and I know that today I need to get it off my chest. So, yeah, there's no telling them what we're going to go into, but once we've gone into it, it's about going, that's the level now, boys. Like how solid is that that this legend was able to get up today and give you his deepest, darkest stuff? Like it says a lot about this room and there they're going, yeah, it does. Mm. And we never do this. We never act like this. No. And it's like, how good is it? Mate, this is epic. And I go, anyone want to leave right now? I'd say no. And they go, no. Why? Because we don't do this. And we're, there's respect, there's vulnerability. Yeah. Well, if we go to picture number two mm. and you've already – You've wow. got some luscious locks these yeah. in this one. And you, you, you're you touched a, on your teenage days yeah, so yeah. when we do a little rat bag and that. <laughs> um, but I, I want to know, you know, about who your role models were and, and what that lady means to you. Right yeah, now. that's a big one, mate. Um, that's my mum who I – yeah, I've got a lot of stuff still with my mum that I've got to work on. And, you know, oh, far out. I know for sure she'll watch this like big time. You know, they're the reason I'm probably sitting here. Like my, I went over their place. My mum and my stepdad's house after they'd seen the face to face, and and my stepdad just goes, mate, you got to ring this guy, text him, and you you wrote back within minutes, and oh, he's talking about me, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, so yeah, I owe them so much, and it's an interesting one. I mean, my mum and my dad split up when I was ten, and and you know when you're a young fella, you don't ask questions of why, but you just want to know where where the family unit's gone, and. And I never, you know, you don't have the skills to understand why your mum does what she did or your dad and why they can't talk. And, you know, my old lady grew up in with a dad who is a legend, Keithy, but, you know, wasn't that amazing with emotions and talking. And, and so she, I don't think she really ever got to know how to do it and she'd be open to admit that. And, and um, yeah, like I still, whew, it's a big forum to be able to, and, I, and I, you know, I own it. I still struggle a lot with that rejection or that trust mm. and that fear of there's still that little wounded boy in me that's like, like, am I worth anything? Is there the self-worth, the value? Like, the, And so, yeah, I mean, she means the absolute world, mum, to me. Yeah, I, I've got to get better. I've got to get better at, at our relationship. And, I'm, mm. you know, that's something that I really need to own. And she's an amazing grandmother to my kids. Mm. She's... She's doing her absolute best. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's I'm sure. Good. I'm sure you will own it. Like everything you've said in this podcast, <laughs> you've uh, you went and owned and you've done extremely well. So thanks, thanks for sharing that. Cushion, mate. Yeah, it must be. It must be. I'm taking it on. I um wanted to zoom out a little bit. So mm. yeah, we're looking at you. Can just for 
so obviously for the people who are listening, this is you in a suit. Are you going to? Yeah, I was going to the dead. Oh, to the dead yeah. ball. Yeah. Wow. To the um, debutante ball with Stacey Keating. Right. <laughs> who's Stacey Keating's an absolute champion. And I think she's now, she's married to Ash Harrison now. You know, I remember Ash Harrison no. played at the Titans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. Queensland. Queensland, yeah. <laughs> Mate, Ash, and I train with Ash when I'm on the Goldie. He's an animal. Like the guy just, he's the fittest human ever. But yeah, we're on our way to the dead ball. Love and that, that haircut, I mean, it's just, oh, it's <laughs> like a ripper, isn't it? It's fantastic. I'll tell you, what, I it went, it. I I'll tell you it. what it went missing. It was a solid one. Queensland, when we, we won an Origin one year, I think it might have been, I don't know, must have been 96. We won one 3 0, maybe. I don't know what it was. And anyway, Gary Larson, my favourite player ever. So I shaved my head to look like Gary Larson. <laughs> so it was gone like two or three days later. Oh, yeah. No. Looks like a great yeah. hair. <laughs> I mean, I had the head that looked like Gary Larson, but I didn't have the shoulders or the muscles. And I'm 42 and I still don't have the shoulders. You look like you used to pull some chicks. Yeah, no, I, I, I look like a bit of a, yeah. What about that red tie? Just yeah, that's hair. classic. That's a, yeah. that's a great photo, can yeah. I say? Um, Rental suit. Beautiful. <laughs> I, I can tell from the way that you talk about the boys in your program that you see a lot of yourself in them yeah, and, and who you were then. I wonder now with these all these interactions, there's got to be some reoccurring themes. Are there some things that you think about when you leave these schools with these and this time with these boys where you go, as a society, we need to do better to address that? Like when you just spoke about those 14 boys who stood up who were so young and had contemplated suicide, like mm. that to me is it just makes me sick and makes me want to go, what are we doing as a society or, or what are the things we need to eliminate to make sure that this isn't the case? So I wonder are there other themes, reoccurring things that keep coming up? As in the same topics that happen with Yeah, them. or just similar. Yeah, yeah, it seems well, like a bigger issue. So there's this culture that we live under as blokes, you know, like how we have to operate, what we have to do, what we have to drink, how we're meant to be. There's all of that sort of stuff. So that literally hangs over every bloke from shearers in far western New South Wales that I work with to young blokes on the Goldie to, to blokes in, you know, in schools around here. It doesn't matter what environment they're in. There's that rule, you know, of how you have to live. So it's about breaking that. The minute you can break that and show that, you know what, the bloke who doesn't drink the beers all the time, like he's a legend. Mm. Like he's the bloke you want to be around. I guess the reoccurring themes are, and, and I think where we're going wrong maybe, is that the question yeah, you asked yeah. me? Yes. I'm, I'm a chalky. So this is one thing that really hit me as a chalky. And, and again, on the way in here, mate, I was listening to the face-to-face -face interview that you did, which I love. And there was that line that you wrote where you said, uh, that you didn't write, you said, which is, you know, those young kids at school in North Queensland, they won't ever know the impact they made on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's where we're sort of going wrong in teaching. We've almost... We, I felt that we lost that soul of why we were there as chalkies. Like you don't become a chalky to buy houses and, and you know, lots of houses and mm. all that sort of stuff. You, you, you buy it, you, you become a chalky because you, you want to work with kids and you love mm. kids. But, you know, I, I remember being at school here in Northern Beaches and, and I had this young fella come to school every day and he was beaten for pace. Like he just looked knackered, this bloke, grade mm. two. And I kept saying to the principal, what's going on with this bloke? Like he, he looks no good. And he says, I can't tell you, I'm not allowed to tell you. So there was just all of these things that weren't, bureaucracy was getting in the way everywhere. And, and I remember one day I just cracked because he came in like, honestly, if, if he was a greyhound running at Dapdo, he would have been scratched from the first <laughs> race. You wouldn't have had him. And I said, well, but what's going on, legend? And he just looked at me and he goes, sir, I, I, I sleep on my mum and dad's couch. 
Uh, my mum, sorry, my mum and my mum's boyfriend's couch, they go out most nights. When they come home, they're all silly and weird and then they, I don't often get to eat and they make lots of noise in their room and he goes, I just struggle to sleep, sir. And I was just like, oh, and in my head I'm going, you know, how, how are we meant to teach these young people if we don't know what's going on at home for them? Like if, and, it's, and, and again, mate, like to reference that interview you did, you said the same thing, like your life turned around when you started to become happy off the field. Yep. And that's when your footy started to work and you started to, you know, to get those wins. And it's the same with those young kids. Like the minute I got into the room with them after that and I was like, well, mate, buddy, don't you be doing 10 the mathematics today. Get up the back and camp on the couch for half an hour and he'd look at me and go, oh, you know, he's great. You're a legend. 40 minutes later, he'd walk up to me, he's had a kip and he'd go, what are we doing, sir? And I'd go, oh, good to have you back in the room, mate. Yeah. Form, he's into it for the day. Yeah. The reoccurring theme, like I, I reckon the, the system is broken and we're not given the opportunity probably more so to, to get to know like our kids mm. and get to really know what's going on for them, you know, because uh, if you can sit with a young person and you can know and, and, and hear them and, and feel like what's going on for them, you get that empathy, you start to care for them and anything you care for, you want to look after, you know, and it doesn't matter if they're getting 10 out of 10 in maths. Yeah. What matters is that they're happy and they're coming to school and they're safe. Yeah, you know, I felt... At school when I was growing up, the teachers I responded to the best was the ones who had that care factor. Yeah. And there's so many teachers that don't have the care factor. And like I can't sit there and say, you don't have a care factor, you don't, you don't, you don't, because I don't know their, their backstory and why they become a teacher. But like, yeah, I had a couple of footy coaches at school and I had a couple of teachers who weren't my footy coaches, but just showed how much they care about me as a person. Because I was a little rat bag at school too, but yeah. they seen something in me that not many other teachers would have. Mm. It's because they really genuinely cared about who I was as a human and, and my backstory sort of thing. Yeah. And like, I still stay in contact with those those teachers today because like I'm someone who has a, a genuine care for people and like what they've shown me and then I want to show the next sort of generation of people and why they can open up to me because I really care about what goes on in their lives. So I just feel like there needs to be more people out there like you and teachers mm. need to show and maybe not be so secretive like, the principals to, to yeah or who they are and and also the principals can be more open to telling teachers about the kids backstory so you know the teacher who's teaching them every single day can have a genuine care about their, their story and like like you did send them to the back of the room for a sleep but they need to sleep yeah, like they need to give them give them 10 minutes time out like they don't have to come in and just do the times tables 24 7 like they have a life that they've there's something going on in their life so they need to come in and just have a care, like have yeah. another person that just wants to, to be their friend sort of thing as well. Mate, I had a woodwork teacher, Crackers Keneally. Like, and that's the reason I became a Chalky and then I'm now doing this work is because of Crackers, absolute legend. And and I gave him the nickname Crackers, Johnny Keneally, like one of the greats. A woodwork, we used to get around the room and get an orbital sander on people's backs and <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> and Johnny, five minutes before class, would walk around going, rodeo, pack up. So I'd walk around eight minutes before class going, rodeo, pack up. <laughs> and Johnny came over to you one day and put his arm on my shoulder and he goes, hey, dickhead. He goes, maybe you should use that voice one day for doing something other than being a dickhead. Maybe you might be able to help someone with it. Hmm. Maybe think about that. And I went, shit, he's the first bloke that's ever actually, as much as he took the piss, invest the thought into me. Hmm. Three weeks later, I'm out driving my 1969 Datsun 1000 around Chugan Crumman illegally. My mum had that car. It was the best <laughs> car ever. Drove past Crumman Circle and he's pinballing out of the joint, blind drunk. I'm Johnny, you want to lift? 
He got in, took him home, sat around his lounger and like it was grade 11 and, and I remember got him a cup of tea and, and he sat there and he talked about not having, never being, uh, having kids, never being married. He cried in front of me, he was vulnerable. He was all of these things I'd never seen in a bloke. Wow. And I remember going like, I want to be like crackers. I want to be a chalky. So, yeah, you know, like that one man like has now impacted, you know, we worked with over 25,000 kids last year. Wow. And I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Johnny, you know, and he's an absolute ripper of a bloke. So, yeah, teachers hold a lot. They, they do. do. They massively they do yeah. for sure. Amazing. I agree. Yeah. 100%. I do want to give us some space before we wrap up to – understand what your hopes and dreams are for find your feet in the future and how you would yeah how can people support you because i know that people listening to this are, are going to want to you know help and, and make sure that more young men are impacted by what you're doing yeah i guess maddie hayden's a great ambassador of ours and has been since the start and he uses this line the more disciples like the better and, and the more legends like nico who when you look at every one of our ambassadors like they're not they're not involved because of of who they are, I guess. It's of what they are, the people they are. So the more legends we get on on board that do what Nico does, that do what Mitch Marsh does, Kai and Maddie and Sam Riley, just being real and genuine. You know, it's about spreading this voice and shifting that culture. But I guess, you know, we're a not-for-profit organisation, so DGL1 status, which means you can get you know, or the tax benefits. So, you know, that funding funding's always really helpful to bring on staff so we can expand what we're doing. I don't have dreams of being in every single school with hundreds of facilitators. For me, it's not realistic. Yeah. But our, our goal is to reach as many men and young women as possible, you know, through, our, through cultural change, through video content, through all those sort of things, through more workshop, workshop development. So, yeah, by, you know, our website, findyourfeet.org, and then the, the Look at Meagram, the old Instagram, at findyourfeet. We've just been hacked I recently. did see yeah. that. Yeah. Not the Apparently it means you've made it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm stoked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, um, so by, by following that. But I guess as well, most importantly, is by when a young person's got a story, mm. like be that, that person who just listens, you know, like, and, and, and also – using find your feet tools and tools in life like gratitude and perspective like when i think of the places i've been and, and the stories that i've heard you know like i think of you know there's one of this young and I quickly tell this young afghani boy and up in southwest brisbane in marsden a marsden state high one of the most amazing schools you know and it's in southwest brisbane tough part of brisbane and and I remember he, he got up in front of 100 boys and he said he walked into the middle of this room and, and, he, and he said, boys, when I was five, we came over from Afghanistan and my uncles, two uncles and my cousin, and he talks about getting on the boat and he's walking around the room, he's looking around the room and everyone, and he says it was the middle of the night one night and the lights went out and the he said the sea started to rise. He's got these beautiful eyes and this, this beautiful voice that I, I wouldn't be able to give justice to. But he's just holding this room and he says, you know, the sea came up and he said, I'm not sure what happened. But my uncle panicked, grabbed my little cousin and just jumped overboard. And I remember in that moment, like, looking at him and looking at all the other eyes, looking at him. But I remember thinking in my head, like, gosh, the things that I whinge about, you know, the things that I get all wound up about, the complexities I bloody take on that I don't need to. And he gave us, like, he gave us, like, 30 seconds to a minute. 
and then he's walking around. He walked over the window and he looked out the window. And again, like we're in southwest Brizzy. We're not on the shores of Montego Bay. And, um, and he said, boys, for those who make it like me, this is the land of dreams, the land of opportunity. And I just remember like going, wow, like that's such an incredible opportunity that we've just had to hear from someone who's experienced racism, who's experienced, he said, I don't, I haven't seen my mum and dad. I don't know if I'll ever see them again. But in that moment, we didn't offer any solutions because there weren't any solutions. Mm. We didn't give him any answers to get through anything. All we did was get the opportunity to listen, show empathy, all of these things that we don't get to do as blokes. And, you know, like, hundred lives changed in that room because they got to hear him and his life changed because he got to stand up and tell his story. So, yeah, that would be my one thing, like just being able to listen. But, yeah, being able to share the find your feet message, Bastion's message. And then when you get on the find your feet Instagram channel, you know, like hopefully on there we get all these really toxic bad messages. Mm. Um, you know, you get messages from legends like Nico and Mitch. Like Just quick, Mitch uses his epic line. He's, you know, one of the greatest batsmen in Australia, like one of the great batsmen I should say, and he says... You know, like one out of every four innings that a top batsman plays, they get a score. He goes, you know, that's my stat for me. He goes, but the best innings for me are the ones where I fail because that's where I learn the most. You know, like you just think what an epic line for a young person to to learn because we always get shamed about our failures, mm. but our failures are where we like where we own our shit. That's that's our greatest growth. So, yeah, you know, on that channel you're going to hear from those sort of people and, and you're going to hear from the young people that have done the workshop and young people can look at it and go, you know what, I'm not sure about what's going on and I relate to that kid so I am normal mm. so I don't have to leave, I don't have to take my own life and we can turn that, you know, turn that's a big one, turn that stat around. You know, that's gotten worse since we started Find Your Feet. Yeah. That's amazing, eh, hearing those stories. Mm. Thank you very much for that but before... I'll let you go. I want to get back to you. There's a question I like to ask everyone, I guess. Picture yourself standing there in a mirror. You're on this side and the young Tommy's on the other side. What would young Tommy be thinking of you right now and what would he say to you? What would the, the, what would the old Tommy say to the young ones? Well, no, what would the younger Tommy be saying to you right now? Would, oh, he, would he be proud? Would be, how would he be feeling towards you? It's a tough question. It's a tough question, yeah, but it's man, an he'd important. Man, he'd be really one. proud, and but he's got to, He'd probably be saying, "Be prouder." Be saying like, "Love yourself more. Be kinder." Um, phew, it's a big one, man. He'd be saying, you know, like probably what my little bloke says, which is beautiful. He goes, "We all love you, Dad." Like my little fella's ten, and he sees it. Like he'd probably say, "Dude, look after the wounded boy a bit more," mm. and 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 probably say. Be even more of a survivor, not a victim anymore. Like, let's get even better at owning our shit. Sure. So yeah, that's uh, I reckon that's what he'd say. Well, thank you. Yeah. Before you before you finish this <laughs> off, Marley, like you always yeah. do. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, Tommy, like I I appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories so much. It's it's so powerful, and I hope people can listen and learn, and you know feel okay to speak up about what's going on in their life and their emotions their feelings and you know we're, this world's a better place with you in it and and doing all this um workshops we find your feet and so glad that you you've made me a part of it now and i can't yeah. wait to, to change lives with you and 
man, I, I just hope so many people are going to be able to listen to this and, and really respect what you do. And, yeah, it's so powerful to be sitting here on a couch talking to, you know, you never met Marley before and, and you know, and just to open up and feel so vulnerable and authentic. Like I just can't express how much I appreciate you doing that, mate. So thank you very much. Mate, I appreciate it, yeah. Appreciate having you on, you on board. I always say like the young people, we don't have a responsibility to break this cycle. We've got an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, like – responsibility is a word that holds a lot of weight, you know. Like if I said to you it's your responsibility to go out this weekend and direct Cronulla around the park, you're like, oh, okay. But I reckon if you say, hey, you've got an opportunity this weekend to go out and direct a team around the park, you're like, wow. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Exactly. And it's the same with us. Like I've got an opportunity to be better for my wife and kids and, yeah, I'm really appreciative that I've, that I've taken it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to sit here and just hear how you you speak about your own life and what you're doing to impact the next generation is incredibly inspiring and you've certainly got another disciple in me and <laughs> I'm sure so many other people who will listen to this. So Hey, you've got to earn your right to be an ambassador with us. Oh, no, I didn't no, say no, ambassador, no. I said a disciple. I mean, I'll be she... telling everyone they need to be <laughs> listening and following what you're saying. <laughs> Honestly, that it is, I think, such an important reminder, you know, for yeah, the younger generation that they're going through it, you know. Yeah. I think it's it's easy for us to kind of forget what we, it was like to be a teenager. Mm. Um, so it's it's unbelievable and, and thank you so much. And, oh, my goodness, I can't wait to just see as you achieve more and more of this and impact more people. Um, yeah. Congratulations and yeah. be proud, brother. Be yeah. proud. Yeah, be no, I appreciate proud. it. I appreciate it. I guess the, the biggest one, you know, is my family at home, yeah. my wife and kids. I've got an amazing little girl, Betty, who's just an absolute champion. And, yeah, she's like it's incredible how you can look at kids and, and, and you can go, I'm 42, you're 13, and you've switched on more than me. Or <laughs> you're doing this, I want to do that. Like, And, yeah, so to my little family, I'm just grateful that I'm mm. able to. Yeah, be here. Yeah, and they're your future it. too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of When We Grow Up, the podcast where we're asking where we've been to know where we're going. And a massive thank you again, Tommy. I'm sure that everyone is feeling, yeah, emotional and inspired as, as both Nico and I are right now. You can go and follow his journey via the Instagram at find your feet. That's Y-A, yeah. find your feet. <laughs> two E's. Oh, yeah, two E's, not three. <laughs> Unless you're in the crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you're hitting subscribe wherever you're listening and following our Instagram at when we grow up pod to be the first to know who our next guest will be. It'll be a tough act to follow, I do have to say. And feel free to share what or who you'd like to hear from in the next episode. Episode. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time. Ciao. Thank you.